Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. I believe God tonight is releasing holy fire from his holy altar. Jesus. I would try to introduce myself. I'm Larry. Nice to see you. <laughs> That's, oh no. It's, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes I don't know if God comes here or we go where he is. In Hebrews 12, it talks of a realm called Mount Zion. We didn't come to Mount Sinai. It says, you have come to Mount Zion. Father, right now, in Jesus' name. God, we have nothing. We, we don't come here as hype people. We don't come as cheerleaders. Father, by the blood of Jesus, just lift up your hands. We step into this realm where there's fire. We step into this realm where there's angels. Father, we step into the realm where the cloud of witnesses gives testimony. We step into the realm of God the judge and Jesus and the blood that speaks better things. Father, we thank you for that. Jesus, holy fire from the holy altar of God. Wow. Even in the spirit tonight while we were worshiping, I just saw, I don't know if it was an angel or Jesus. And listen, I have friends who are seers. I don't typically operate as one, but I saw one going around this room with a branding iron, <laughs> marking people. And we were singing about, you know, we were singing about fire. And I felt like the Lord said, tell the people that tonight oil is going to be ignited. There is ignitable oil in this room. Please don't look to me. I have nothing to offer. God sovereignly, just pray in the spirit for a minute. God sovereignly is just stepping in right now. We don't have time. We don't have time. Let's stand up for a moment. We really don't have time. Shira Monday. And the Lord spoke to me this morning so beautifully in agreement with what Tracy shared. I believe the Lord's saying, listen, people are talking about greater glory. Here's the word. The greater glory is reserved for those who go. For those who go. Do I need to go to Mozambique? Do I need to go overseas? Well, here's the reality. I'm going to prophesy, and this seems like the right place to do this. The Lord is saying, listen, in fact, borders are shut up right now where us in the United States, the Lord's saying, you can't run away and use foreign missions as an excuse. Can I share that? Can I say that? If you're called to go overseas, go. But the Lord's saying even now that tonight I'm here to mark people with holy fire from a holy altar to do things that maybe they've laid down because they didn't sound spiritual. Oh, they didn't seem spiritual. In fact, they divided me, says the Lord. They divided me between sac sacred and secular. I actually believe the Lord's calling people right now to CNN. The Lord's calling people to Hollywood. The Lord's calling people to, to places we've written off as demonic strongholds. The Lord says the only reason that they are a stronghold of darkness is because the ecclesia. Do you know what, what I mean when I say that's the church? Jesus didn't build a building. We meet in a building. He didn't say I'm going to build a synagogue or a temple. He said I'm going to build my ecclesia. And he said that actually at a place called Caesarea Philippi. I've been there in Israel, most, most, one of the most demonized places on the planet. Still, it was a center of all sorts of demonic activity. You know what that tells me? Jesus is so unintimidated. 
I just declare that over you right now. Wherever the Lord has called you to go, and it's not a matter of waiting until the big break comes. I mean, wherever you're called to go tomorrow, wherever you show up, don't wait for the ministry assignment, says the Lord. Don't wait until you actually step into the fullness and the fulfillment of a prophetic word. Just step out. Just go for the Lord says, wherever you go, greater glory comes. I'm just waiting for a church that stops waiting. Oh, bora, ba, 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 ba. Where are those who would stop waiting? Where are those who will just go? Because glory is reserved for those who go. Jesus, Jesus, mark us tonight. Holy fire from your holy altar, God. Oh, we just take one moment. <laughs> oh my, thank you, Lord. We love his presence. And here's my prayer, even now, Holy Spirit, that as I do my best to translate what you've given me, I pray, I just, I, one of the things I saw in my spirit, even when, when Tracy and I were talking about this, if you need to tune out, you can. If Holy Spirit literally starts speaking to you or showing you something, I want you to actually, I, I believe through this whole time, God is going to walk around among us. Holy Spirit's walking around among us and he's going to actually remind some people of things that you actually laid down. I saw a picture of people saying, you know what? I'm going to lay this down, God. You gave me this gift. You gave me this talent. In fact, you gave me this real sense of urgency that I'm called to be a problem solver in this particular arena. But you laid it down and you laid it down for a spiritual purpose. But the Lord says it's time to pick those things up. It's time to pick those things up. The longer we wait, the longer we wait for something, I'm just, I'm in a transition here, but I feel like the Lord's saying, the longer you wait for revival, the longer you wait for the next big prayer meeting, the longer you wait for the next stadium event, and I'm all for those things, but the longer my church waits for something, the longer the devil has opportunity to disciple nations. God, let that convict us. And the Lord says, you know what? It's good conviction because what it does is it gives us that nudge we need to go take the land. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I feel like this is the right place for me to share this message. This message is on dominion. This is a message that I didn't really want to preach. This is not where I was with the Lord but let me tell you a funny story of what happened, as it often does with the Lord. I was just going about my thing, thinking, okay, I, you know, I have, you, you get certain messages that you carry and you feel like God's called you to speak and all that. But the Lord interrupted me one day and he's like, Larry, he gave me a three-point directive. He said, Larry, number one, I want you to re-educate yourself on dominion in the Bible. Okay, yes, sir. And the Lord pointed me to a specific book. Now, I'm a book publisher. I'm the publisher of a Destiny Image. We are working with this lovely lady right here, Tracy Eckert, who, if you don't know, has her for, she was just on Sid Roth. So what a gift you have in this house. What a gift. I have come here now on and off for about four years. I was there when you were in the Messianic Synagogue. I popped by for that. This is a precious place. This is a precious place. But the Lord directed me to this book, and I love it because this book goes for the jugular. It's by C. Peter Wagner, and it's called Dominion with an Exclamation Point. It was so controversial at the time that the publisher literally, like within a very short time of being released, they changed the title because it was so controversial. 
And I'm like, God, you really want me to talk about that stuff? Like, I try to be a nice guy. I try to be ambassadorial. I have to, na- I mean, in my job, I have to navigate different perspectives, different the- theological approaches. I'm like, God, really? He said, yes, re-educate yourself on dominion. I want you to teach what I give you clarity on. I don't want to get up here and teach something I have no clarity on. I want to teach what I believe Holy Spirit's given me to release. And he said, third, and this was a little bit of an indictment to me, because anytime I would talk about dominion, in other words, anytime I would talk about us as believers doing kind of what I was praying, us occupying places of authority, us displacing powers of darkness, you know what I would do? I would apologize for it. I would immediately say something like, but I'm not a dominionist. Because, you know, there's people out there, usually Heresy Hunter and Heresy Hunter websites, that like people like us because we give them all sorts of interesting fodder for their, uh, their, their websites. And uh, so I started really apologizing. Anytime I would really encourage believers to take their place in society, I'd be like, but I'm not. To, and the Lord said, stop apologizing for teaching dominion. Why? Because here's the deal. And I want to be very careful in how I say this, but this is what provoked me to share this is uh, before I ever went into ministry, I wanted to be a film critic, believe it or not. Um, I wanted to be a film journalist. So I've always kept my finger on the pulse of the film entertainment industry. Well, recently, oh goodness, I'm not going to even name the song. I'm not going to name a certain artist, Cardi B. Yeah, well, we're all big, we're all adults here. She came out with a song and here's the thing. Around that time, the Lord was speaking to me. He's like, Larry, if you don't teach believers how to operate in dominion, people like her are going to disciple your daughter. We do not have an option to sit back and apologize and sheepishly go into the night. Because isn't that reality? If we step back from those arenas, another voice is going to fill the void. The invi- There's an invisible realm. We all believe that, right? Hey, hey, amen. The invisible realm seeks a host. You will host one of two sides of that realm. You will host Holy Spirit if we are born again, or you will host some other critters. You will host demons. You will host principalities. You know, you may not even be like a bad person, but if somebody, I mean, this is basic Christianity 101. If you are not a believer, the Bible actually calls us, and I have it right here, in Colossians 3.6 and Ephesians 6.12. Well, Colossians 3.6 says this. If somebody is not a believer, they are called a son of disobedience, okay? God loves everybody. We get that. God loves everybody. But before we're born again, how, do, how many of you know, if you can go back to your you know, pre-Jesus days, it's easy for the devil to use you. Just because we don't have the grid of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the grid of the Word of God. Bottom line is this. If people who are filled with the Spirit, that's us, have the Word of God, have access to the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we have so many wonderful Holy Ghosts like bells and whistles. And I use that word because we keep them all contained. The Lord told me recently it's time for Elijah to come out of the cave. And I'm like, what what does that mean? That's how I talk to the Lord sometimes because in our prophetic world, God sometimes says some unusual things and I'm a what what does that mean type of guy. The Lord said this. He said, it is time for the prophetic voice to come out of the safety cave of the charismatic conference circuit. Listen, I, I'm a, I, I work with these people. It's fine to have conferences. It's fine to do events. We're kind of doing that tonight. 
if the high watermark of the prophetic voice is for us to keep coming back and cycling over and over again to conferences with celebrity prophets, but those prophetic people or the people that they're training never actually step into economics and government and media and Hollywood and release the strategies and solutions of God there. The Lord said this, my prophetic voice belongs in the center stage of the cultural conversation, not in the sideline. I even released that right now. Father, I just break off that intimidation in the name of Jesus. It is easy. The Lord says, listen, it's easy to sit in the charismatic conference. It's easy for us to roll around in the renewal meetings. I love that. I'm hoping we roll tonight. But Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, you'd break off that intimidation. It's easy to stay in comfortable places. For those who have been called specifically to government and to business and politics and to be school teachers. I actually, recently the Lord said, I'm raising up anointed history teachers. Because our, does that, does any, is anybody even, I mean, why? Because history in this nation is under assault and it is being redefined by people who are under a demonic spell. Can I say that here? I've spent, I've spent too much time around Mario Murillo and Lance Wall now. Because I love revival. I love the move of God. I can't tell you how many times I have been so touched, particularly by what happened in Toronto. But you know what? What happened in Toronto can't remain in a building. What happened at Brownsville, what happens here, cannot be. We're not being good stewards if we keep it in the building. But I love this place because it's all about going out. In fact, the Lord gave me this word to Tracy, but I, I share this with you because you're all part of this community. Number one, I don't believe God's ever calling you to graduate from being a house of prayer. But prayer is not just sitting in a room and praying. In the place of prayer, the Lord is saying, be expectant that I will give you assignments. We need both. We need prayer and activism. Listen, if we have activism and action without receiving directives and assignments from the Lord, we are going to be wandering amiss. If all we do is pray and that God tells us to do something and we don't do it, something won't manifest in the earth that's meant to manifest. Listen, I believe in God's sovereignty. I have a high view of the sovereignty of God. At the same time, God made a sovereign decision. Jesus is not here on the planet right now. I know that shocks. What about it? No, Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. And one day, praise God, a Jewish man, the Messiah, Jesus, the God man, will split that sky. I believe he's going to return to the Mount of Olives there in Jerusalem. He's coming back. We can vote yes, we can vote no. He's coming back. Amen? But until then, we are not waiting for Holy Ghost 2.0. We have received the Holy Spirit, and the one we have is sufficient for the job of discipling nations. Amen? Oh my goodness, I don't even know where I'm going tonight. This is just interesting. But I was talking about how the invisible realm seeks a host. So why not us? Why not us, the people filled with the Holy Spirit, take the places? And again, that's, that's, if, if no, I, I know Tracy is a loud voice for this. I come alongside her and I just want to say as just somebody, I don't know, spiritual leader, ministry leader, we authorize you to go to the place God is calling you to go. And that sounds strange, but please don't see this as the most sacred assignment. When I say this, the pulpit, the person with the clerical collar, when you actually go to the place that God's called you to do, wherever that is, that is just as sacred. The most sacred thing is not where you go, it's the yes that you say to God. 
And we have just so sheepishly backed out of those places because it's dark. I love that word. I mean, I, I, I had no idea the fullness of that word that you shared because we are looking, there's so many giants that overwhelm us in the land. But ultimately, do, do we have the promise of God? Just like Israel had the promise to take that land. Folks, we have a promise of discipling nations. He wouldn't have given us the commission to see nations discipled if that wasn't possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to only share a part of, I'm going to share what I can because I really want to be sensitive to what Holy Spirit's doing tonight because he's going to mark people. He already is. But I believe, wow, and I don't even, you know, that's, that's why I'm like, oh, where are my seers? Where, I, I love ministering. You know, I, I have a dear friend, Anna Werner, who we, we minister quite a bit together. And I'm always like, what are you seeing? Sometimes I get stuff, sometimes I don't. Um, but I really, I saw in the spirit so clearly, some spiritual being, an angel Jesus with a branding iron. And tonight, what I think is going to happen, no, I, the Lord's saying, don't say that. Say what I know is going to happen. Just as we open, as we even, wow, Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome with that iron, wow, from heaven to touch your people. And I think there will be something combustible that happens. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. All right, the Lord's like, all right, Larry, step into the teacher thing. Step into, okay. Oh, goodness. <laughs> hey, 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 be nice. The, me- the message of this is becoming the third missing move of God. The third missing move of God. There, are, I believe, in the last 50 years have been two significant moves of God. We've seen them repeated. There's a third one that's missing, and tag you're it. And I'm going to share what those are. So have your Bibles open. I'm going to, I'm going to geek out a little bit because I got my Master of Divinity in Church History and Renewal. So I tend to go down, but I promise it'll be exciting. I, 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 I will not get boring. Do my best at least. In recent history, we had three significant moves of God. Now I know in the 90s we had a lot of activity. Who went to Toronto? Anybody here? Oh, come on. Brownsville? Brownsville, Pensacola? Those are some of my favorite people on the planet, and I just stay from this, from this stage. They're the real deal. They're the, they have not graduated from being wrecked by God. But I'm going to go back a little bit to the 1960s. In 1960, I believe it was in Van Nuys, California, there was an Episcopalian priest named Dennis Bennett. Highly recommend his book called Nine O'Clock in the Morning. It was this Episcopalian priest that got touched by the Holy Spirit prayed in tongues, and I think for several weeks after that experience, he started to testify to his congregation. Now, this is an Episcopalian priest. This was not normal. This was a guy who got wrecked by God, and his testimony became contagious. You know what a testimony does? It prophesies. It's like if, if Father, I don't know what they called him, Father, Father Bennett got touched by the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, spoken tongues, I can have it too. And many people would go back to Van Nuys, California in 1960. I believe it was called St. Luke's Episcopalian Church. And they would mark that as the beginning of something called the charismatic renewal. And you know what I like to say during that 1960s time frame? No denomination was safe from the Holy Spirit. Does anybody, did anybody live through the charismatic renewal? Or did anybody, come on. It was, I mean, I can only say as somebody who's read the history books, glorious. 
You had the Catholic charismatic renewal that took place. You had people like Harold Bredesen. You had so many people being wonderfully marked by God. And so much of what we enjoy today is really what they sowed into us. But I believe what happened was this. You had renewal, which I believe is when the church gets touched and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. But that gave birth to something I believe called the Jesus People Movement. So you had the 60s, charismatic renewal. Late 60s, early 70s, you had Jesus People Movement. What happened? Basically, during the counterculture revolution, during kind of hippie culture, drug culture, free love, all that, God broke in. God broke in, and again, these are people who were heathens. These people didn't know God from anybody, but they were being completely and radically saved. I'm so grateful for people like Chuck Smith and the Calvary Chapel movement that were birthed during that time. You had so many people, listen, they didn't look like church people, they didn't smell like church people, but they came to church and the church had to adjust its wineskin and operating system to accommodate them. I mean, people were getting baptized in the Pacific Ocean. Why? They had no room. It was a beautiful revival, and I mean, people were not only getting saved, they were getting radically saved in the sense like, I don't want to have anything to do with the world. I want to give my life to Jesus completely. That's beautiful. That's glorious. Listen, I celebrate the, the, the charismatic renewal. That's number one. The Jesus people revival, that's number two, but there was something missing. There's something missing, and that's the th third R called Reformation. I'm going to say something, and I say this with honor, but I say it with honesty. I believe what happened simultaneously is that while people were getting legitimately and genuinely saved during the 1970s, during the Jesus People revival, you had interesting eschatology. Do you know what eschatology is? The study of the end times. Now listen, I said it before and I say it here just so we're all like on the same page. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Anybody who teaches that he's not or that he already has or that we're already living in the new heaven and the new earth, <laughs> there is a particular theology that teaches that and I'm like I have to I have to answer it's like if this is all if this is as good as it gets then we're in trouble we're in trouble Jesus is coming back however we have a mandate occupy until I come occupy until I come the Jesus people movement I believe could have turned into a reformation if those people who were getting saved were encouraged to go into the darkness and actually make a difference somewhere I'm not I'm not I'm not making a blanket statement but by and large what happened is they withdrew out of a true desire for purity and devotion to God and what happened I believe it because I mean in the 40s and 50s I'm not going to say culture American culture was a Christian culture the 40s and 50s were a whole lot different than today. Can I get an amen on that? 60s, everything changed. 70s, we began to see the manifestation of that change. I believe the people who carried the glory, the people who were getting radically saved, are actually, they were meant to be thrust into the harvest field. They were meant to be actually thrust into academics, into media, into every arena where if you look at it now, guess what? It looks like the devil has a stronghold in those places. Back then, I would propose to you, he might have only had a foothold. It wasn't as pronounced as it was today. Many of us could say, you know, yeah, we'll often say times were different back then. Well, yeah, times were different because we had a more, maybe we had more reverence for the church at that time. We had more reverence for Christianity. Now, the reality is this. We have darkness. 
We have those arenas. I mean, all seven mountains sadly have been infiltrated by darkness and there are demonic strongholds in each one. But here's good news. God loves to make up for lost time and he does it with interest. What was lost in the 60s and 70s? I believe God right now is making up for that and he will do it in a way that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. I remember it's, I believe in the first Samuel, some of the earliest lines in that, God says, I'm gonna do something in Israel that will make your ears tingle. And that's just what God does. He does something so supernatural and amazing. But here's the reality. Instead of, I mean, here's what I, just trying to observe the prophetic times and seasons we're living in. Oh, goodness. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of being in Southern California, and I've actually gotten to know uh, Parker and Jesse Green. Those names may not be familiar to you at all. They are the husband and wife are leading these beach revivals that even the LA Times is taking notice of. Why? Why? I mean, and we went to one of their meetings. We just stepped, I mean, listen, they've got like, this is not a highly professional church service. They've got little bango drum, bango drum, I'm making up names right now, a little guitar. It's like this ragtag team of traveling Holy Spirit gypsy people. But you know what it is? I felt like the Holy Spirit, number one, there's just such a holiness about it. They're preaching the real gospel. They're preaching the full gospel. People are getting baptized, saved, delivered, healed. And what I love is I believe God is actually showing us a sign. He said, I'm ready to pick up where the Jesus people movement left off. And you know what that means? I believe the people, and that's what I love about Parker and Jesse and a lot of these people, Sean Foyt, who's going around leading these worship things. What I love about them is they get the other side of revival, which is we're gonna pray for people to get touched and marked by God so that they can be thrust, so that they can be ekbalowed, as our friend Lou Engel would say, so that they could be deposited into the harvest field. And by the way, the harvest field is not just Papua New Guinea or Mozambique, very special places. The harvest field is Hollywood. Maybe I'm just so passionate about that right now because I don't want my daughter or your children discipled by what's coming out of there. And you know, I understand. L- listen, end time stuff, I'm not one of these happy-go-lucky end times people. Like, oh, everything is just going to get better and hallelujah, Jesus is going to take. No, but there will be competing contrasts. There's going to be great glory, I believe, but there's going to be great darkness. And my thing is this, you know what? If we're filled with glory and we're called to walk in greater glory, then until Jesus splits the sky and, and comes back, let's, let's do whatever we can to give him souls and even some parts of culture. Why not even some nation? Let's give him everything we possibly can. So the reality is I believe God is calling us to pick up where we left off in the 1960s and 70s. Here's a, (laughs) why do we miss a move of God? These are just some little things I wrote down. We believe for on earth as it is in hell, not on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, I'm all about the end times, but sometimes we have more faith in apocalyptic doom than renewal and revival. We expect destruction when we are called to walk in dominion. We withdraw from culture when we have been called to infiltrate, occupy, engage, and influence. And the last one, and this one the Lord's been really getting me on, we're waiting for Jesus. Revival, his return, the prayer gathering. We're waiting for Jesus instead of being the body that he prepared for himself. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Just go. This is, this, this is going to just show you how kind of kooky I am, but it's all right. 
from, from the classic 1980s movie Spaceballs, there's this, there's, this, there's this great scene. And it's funny how the Lord will talk to you. Listen, God will talk to you any way he can. There's this great scene where they're kind of out there combing the desert, trying, the bad guys trying to find the good guys. And there's this great moment where the colonel, he's like, all right, prepare to move forward. And the bad guy's like, preparing? You're always preparing. Why are we always preparing? Just go. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said, the charismatic prophetic community is often guilty of preparing for what they've already received. We're preparing for the outpouring. We're preparing for the glory. We're preparing for revival. We're preparing for the open door. We're preparing for this and that. How much have we already received? Just go. And I'm going to promise you this. I think when we go, God, the, the more of us that actually go to the places God's called us to, I believe the more glory we're going to see released into the earth. It's not some sovereign dispensation where oh, we're waiting for, for that particular timeline in heaven for, for the glory to be poured out. I, I don't really believe in that. I believe God's waiting for people who are filled with glory to show up in places where darkness, until they show up, the darkness has been unchallenged and uncontested. But gosh, when somebody shows up filled with glory, the darkness always has to move. Could it be that that's why the devil has worked over time to keep us restrained. Maybe he doesn't mind too much us meeting all the time, but he does get really scared when the church leaves the building. He does. However, I do believe and I'm very grateful for the leaders right now who are fighting for our ability to meet. Why? Because we come together as God's ecclesia. We come together as the church. We come together as a governmental body. And there's something, there's a dynamic that happens when we're all together like this. You just can't get in your prayer closet. I'm grateful for the prayer closet, but I felt like the Holy Spirit told me today, it's time to, for my people to know that they are a mobile secret place. Whoa. The Lord says, take it on the go. Whoa. There's just, oh, I just feel it right now. It's like, God, there's so much withdrawal. There's so much waiting. It's like, I just, I, 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 I want to stomp my foot and say, let's just go. And it's like, well, Larry, I, I put that on Facebook and I, 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 you always get some goofy responses. And some person's like, well, why are we just talking about this on Facebook? Let's just go do it. And I'm like, I understand that. Yes, let's go do it. I think sometimes people just need to know that they have permission to do it. Yeah. Now, don't go off and do something absolutely goofy without consult. You know, let's use wisdom. But let's use wisdom and let's, I mean, Joyce Meyer says it best. Step out and find out. The church is not guilty of operating in too much courage. (laughs) We're not. We are not, you know, that's why it's so important to have spiritual leaders in your life. Because ones who empower you, but ones who will rein you in when you're going off. But honestly, let's just go. Take courage. Come on. Hallelujah. That's how we miss a move of God. And I have three things here that keep us inactive. Three ditches that will keep us inactive. These are the three, you know, there's usually two ditches, one on each side of the road, but there's three here. Um, Number one, I call it hyper-sovereignty. I believe in the sovereignty of God. God is king. He is Lord. He can do whatever he wants. He wants to like stick me to the ceiling right now. I could do that. But here's the deal. One of the things sometimes we fall guilty of in certain parts of the body of Christ is like, well, God, whatever he wants to do will happen. Que sera, sera type of thing. That, that, no, that's not. The spirit 
of the sovereign Lord is upon you. God, I believe, in his sovereignty made a decision to fill you with his spirit to represent him in the earth. Okay, so that just completely refutes that. But that does keep a lot of people from actually doing anything. It's like, why do I need to do anything if God's going to do everything? All right. Number two, I call it hyper doom and gloom, where it's like, well, why do I even need to engage? Why do I need to occupy? Larry, you're telling me to get involved in all these different parts of society. You're telling me to do the thing God's called me to do. Why should I do that if God's just going to like blow this thing up like the Death Star in Star Wars? I probably, all right, all I need now is like a Doctor Who reference, and I'll be, because he's like, okay, this guy likes sci-fi stuff. Um, no, because that'll actually keep people restrained as well. If we think God just, how do I say, it? God loves the earth. Like, ultimately, he's going to make all things new. Ultimately, he's going to renew all things. Ultimately, we're going to have a new creation. He is, I mean, we are the, oh my goodness. I, I'm like ready to run around here because I'm getting a revelation. We are the first fruits of an entirely new creation. What started in you when you were born again is the seed of all things being made new. Like, he's all about renewal, not just blowing things up. I, I really trust the end time dynamics to him. I think it's very safe for us to talk about him, even debate about him. That's good. But we cannot get so hung up on certain things where we don't have clarity. That's what I would say. And I can tell you this, I do have one bona fide prophetic word you can take to the bank about the last days and what will happen. Joel 2, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. That's one we can take to the bank because God declared it. And number three is this. I call this prophetic determinism. And this is sadly something that happens in our prophetic camp um, where somebody will release a prophetic word. And it's like, I see this particular candidate winning or I see everything going this direction or I see this happening. And then we think I can be at ease and I don't need to do anything and I don't need to vote and I don't need to participate. Why? Ew, so-and-so prophesied it. My friend Catherine Rinala from Australia says this, prophetic word is an invitation, not an inevitability. Mostly. There's certain things God has the right to say, I'm going to do it, and it's going to get done. But most like personal prophetic words or even like corporate prophetic words that are released, there is an invitation that comes with them. And guess what? The invitation is for God in you to actually participate with the unfolding in that word. I don't understand how all those dynamics work. That's a theological mind blower. All I know is he gives prophetic words and rather than just me like sitting around writing it down saying, oh, that's nice, that'll just happen, I need to participate with it and do something. I just feel like the Holy Ghost is going to give us a nice like kick tonight and say it's time to go. And he's like, when you go, you're going to actually see the things you've been waiting for. My goodness. I felt like the Lord just said that. So many of us have been praying and crying out for stuff. When I was hanging out with Parker and Jesse Green, the Beach Revival people, I remember I was there with Tina and her husband. And my, my, my colleague Tina and her husband were part of the Brownsville Revival. They actually worked very closely with evangelist Steve Hill. And I can tell you this, we were, we were meeting with a beautiful, this young couple that had to be early 30s, three kids. And we just were weeping at that table. Why? Because I said, God, these are the answers to our prayers. Whoa, these are the answers to how many of us have been praying revival, praying for revival. And then this little couple lived in New York City. 
pastoring a church there, got a vision from the Lord of seeing California ignited for God and people being baptized and, well, filled with the fire of God, and they just said yes to God. It's amazing when you go, when you go, what you'll see. Shoo. Father, even right now, just show us the places we're called to go. You might even be asking, Larry, how do I know I'm called to go to a certain place? I just, is this okay we minister this way? I, 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 I try my best. <laughs> I try, but the Holy Spirit's saying, no, you got to tell them. It's not enough just to have an irritation about a problem. It's not enough just to be gifted or talented in an arena. Those are like two things you need to go somewhere. But the Lord is saying, tell them this. The third essential ingredient is you've got to have a, wow, a burning heart to bring a solution. Shoo. A burning heart to bring a solution. Yes, there'll be things that irritate you. There's things that irritate us every day. That doesn't mean you're called to be the solution there. There's things you have gifts and talents for. You could play the piano really nice. You could have a good golf swing. There's a lot of gifts and talents we have, but not everyone is reserved for the thing that you're called to actually go and be a, solutionist for it's it's the heart that says god make me somebody who will bring a solution to this area i think that's really one of the key indicators you're called to go there but you know what three ditches that keep us inactive i believe at the end of the day this this group of people god's raising up groups of people like this all over the united states right now and he's saying it's time to go and it's just like that Isaiah 6 where Isaiah has this wonderful encounter with God and he actually hears the conversation of the throne room. Who will go for us? And Isaiah, he says, I'll go. Here I am, send me. I believe that's what's going to be deposited tonight, this, this cry of here I am, send me. And yeah, here's the deal. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a history maker. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a reformer. You don't just wake up or decide that. That comes non-negotiably. The only way a history maker or reformer's birth is in the fire of God. Whoa. Is the touch and the mark of the fire of God. That is why, and I say this over Tracy and John, but I declare this even over the church in Dallas, the church in the United States. This kind of space for God to move is non-negotiable. Holy Spirit should not be tolerated. He should be celebrated. I am sick of that. Well, we have Holy Spirit stuff in the back room. Listen, we're in a crisis right now and the only one who can solve anything is the Holy Spirit. And I prophesy even now that the church that's going to be most effective in these last days is the church that says, Holy Spirit, you can move without restraint. You can do what you want. You are not obligated to move on my terms. You will move on your terms, Holy Spirit. And I say that even now. There's such a liberty and a freedom here to say that because I don't sense one iota of oppression towards the Holy Ghost. That is that that is. A, that is an honor to be in a place like this. He can do what he wants. If he wants to interrupt everything right now and say, Larry, shut up and lay on the ground, he can. He can. We don't have time for gimmicks. We don't have time for glitz and glamour. It's time to go. And the only way somebody's going to go is being marked by the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, my goodness. My goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit even now. You know, (laughs) in Isaiah chapter 6, it says the train of his robe filled the temple. If you look that up in the Hebrew, do you know what that means? It means God is so big, he comes in and he keeps, whoa, he keeps coming and he keeps coming and he keeps filling because there's more of him. Father, even now, would you come and do that? Come and keep coming, God. Wow. The Lord just showed me. It's like, I desire that so much. I desire that so much. But there's points of discomfort where people say, stop. There's points of discomfort where my church sees me coming in and I come in a way that hits a button and they say, stop here. Lord, even now we say, come and keep coming, Lord. Father, we've come tonight. Oh, you just told me, God, from the time I was listening to the worship, holy fire from the holy altar. Only one capable of delivering that is the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, not one word I can say, not, not any kind of performance I can deliver can do that, God. We look to you. We look to you, Jesus. Uramanashi. Thank you, Lord. My goodness. What a wonderful place. Wow. We never want to graduate from this. <laughs> We never want to graduate from being wrecked or undone by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you these four quick things and then we'll see what God wants to do. How to enter this third missing move of God. Because we've established we've had renewal. We've had revival. I believe God wants reformation. Reformation comes when revived people go out the door. (laughs) When revived people go. Four things, four G's. Number one is the goal of God. The goal of God. Numbers 14, 21. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. That is God's great goal. We get to participate in that. Fill the earth. I love what Michael Heiser says. Anybody familiar with Dr. Michael Heiser? Oh, goodness. All right, these are my people. He says this, the original task of humanity was to make the entire earth like Eden. That's true. Because you know what? The reality is this. When God planted Eden, Eden was not the whole planet. Eden was a small portion on planet earth. Hence why God gave mankind the dominion mandate. People will call that, even people who don't really believe in the dominion stuff. They recognize that is the dominion mandate of man, for us to take what was normal in Eden, that which God established in paradise and see the earth filled with that. I can tell you this, God's heart has not changed, the earth being filled with his glory. And there's two assignments though. That's it, man, you are great. You've got my message. Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, which to me speaks of glory which speaks of presence. I I want an organist up here. (laughs) Glory and presence. But here's the deal. Speaks of glory and presence, but there's another word. There's fill and there's subdue. That tells me that something actually needs to be put under authority. That tells me that there's disorder. 
And right now we absolutely know that there was a creeping thing that creeped on the earth. There was a serpent. There was a devil. And guess what? There's a devil today. And he belongs one place under your feet. Do you know why? It's not you. You're no match to the, I mean, the devil will clean you up. But you know what? You're just not a normal person. You are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. You are inhabited and indwelt by God. That's the reality. The devil knows it and he's terrified of it. Why? You'll always, always, always have the upper hand over him. But here's the reality. You need to know it. If you don't know that, it's amazing how many Christians are being taken advantage by a defeated devil. Oh boy, that's, a, that's another sermon. But we need to expand his dominion on earth and see the earth filled with his glory. So that's the goal of God. The goal of God, even when it comes down to the end of time, is to fill the earth with his glory. All right, number two. So we have the goal of God, which is his glory. But number two, there's a groan. These are all four Gs. The goal, now this is the groan. Mankind gave authority of the planet over to Satan. Jesus took it back at the cross. And the church, as Jesus' body, is called to legislate and enforce his finished work in the earth. I know that's a little bit of a mouthful, but basically, you and I, Jesus has already had the victory over the devil. We are not called, we don't have the ability to create that victory. We enforce what Jesus has already accomplished. But the earth is in a place, when I was in Australia in November, the Lord gave me this word, the earth is groaning right now. Isn't that true? I, I, I think of, and I, I think I have these scriptures written down here, but I'm just going to kind of cite them from memory because our time is limited and I want to give God the most space possible. The earth is groaning, Romans chapter 8, all creation is groaning and it's waiting for something. It's waiting for what? The revelation or the unveiling of the sons of God. What were we singing tonight? Here we are, here we are. It's all for you, God. I believe the sons and the daughters of God filled with his presence, the people who are called to fill and subdue the earth, we're here. Amen. It's time to go. I, I, I pray if not, one word you can get from this message is to go. Maybe go and glory will come. Go and the glory will follow. But it's interesting, the earth is groaning, and then I think of this wonderful, interesting example the Lord gave me. I'm like, okay, I, I've always heard that. Go, what does it look like? And here's what he pointed to, and this is what brings us into Isaiah 6. So track with me, then well, I guess we'll finish up. I'm, I have this whole message that I could probably preach multiple parts on, but it's one of those things where, as you know, as a, as a minister, you always got to be sensitive. Like, the last thing we ever want to do is microwave a message. The last thing I ever want to do is like, well, here's my signature message, and I'm just going to show up and preach that and goodbye. <laughs> because we've been in those meetings. I've been in those meetings where somebody shows up as a paid professional. And we don't have time for that. We, we need the word of the Lord. So let me read this, because this will actually, this, this will give us a context. Exodus. I know. Romans 8 to Exodus 2. How does Exodus 2 end? Verse 23 and 25. It says, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. I believe right now the cry of the earth is rising up to God. 
And I love this. God heard their groaning. This is from the New Living Translation. And he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel. Oh my, and I love this statement. And he knew it was time to act. I believe we're in that moment right now. The earth is groaning. God sees and hears the groaning. And I believe God knows it's time to act. Here's my question though. When it's time for God to act, what does he do? Come on. We go from the groan to the glory. You have the goal of God. You have the groan of the earth. And now you have what it looks like to be marked by the glory. I'm going to read this and then put it all together. Exodus 3. Because, you know, this is a big revelation. Exodus 3 comes after Exodus 2. So, so... Exodus 2, just capture this, end of Exodus 2 ends with the people in slavery groaning. Okay, right to Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I'd call that the place of encounter. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of, wow, fire, out of the midst of a bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Here's how God responds to the groan, and he's going to do it even now, and he's going to do it in this day. God doesn't reach down from heaven and do something himself, typically. He has the right. He is sovereign. He heard a groan, and you know what? He encountered Moses. And you know what? Here's the reality. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have no need for just a Moses or an Isaiah or a person here or a person there. Because of the blood of Jesus, the groan of humanity has a solution called the Spirit-filled church. Whoa. I'll tell you this. What's the common denominator between Exodus 3, which I just read? We're all familiar with that, the burning bush common denominator between Exodus 3, Isaiah 6, and Acts chapter 2. Fire. Whoa. Remember, Moses, after an encounter at the burning bush, became a national liberator. A reluctant one at first. But nevertheless, he has marked history as a national liberator. Isaiah and Isaiah 6 saw the Lord he was undone, and he became a prophet to the nation, where I would say the book of Isaiah, perhaps, maybe a little bit more than perhaps, most significant prophetic book in the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, and really the age to come. And then, of course, you have Acts chapter 2, where the church was birthed with the fire of God on the day of Pentecost. Common denominator for all those things is the fire of God. Bottom line is this, the earth is groaning, tag, you're it. But here's the deal, and this is why I said what I said before. The Holy Spirit fire is a non-negotiable. Because we see it right there. That's where people are marked by God. I love this. I, I will share this because this is so worth... Oh, how many of you... I, I, Okay, the Passion Translation. Anybody read the Passion Translation of the Bible? Okay, it's, it, it, it's good. I would suggest for your primary translation of the Bible, reading an ASB, ESV, something like that. One thing Brian Simmons has done well, I think, is with his notes and commentary. 
I actually like going to those. This is what he said about Isaiah 6. Isaiah saw the sinfulness of man. The seraphim saw the glory of God. Isaiah, I love this, had to see what the angels see. Every true voice for God must have the revelation of glory filling the earth. I love that. Do you know why? Because before we're commissioned, and this is what I'm going to pray into tonight, that Holy Spirit would touch you and whatever you're called to, if you're called to be a teacher, if you're called to be a politician, if you're called to the arts and entertainment industry, I want you to actually have a vision to know, whoa, well, yeah, I feel like God wants to do that because I just feel the Holy Spirit on that. Wherever you're called to go, my prayer is this, that you'd have a vision of that area of darkness and what it would look like filled with glory. Wow. Otherwise, guess what? We end up cooperating with dark. Otherwise, we're overwhelmed by the darkness, to be totally honest. It's like, I want to go there. I want to change it, but there's too much darkness. But what if you had that vision of what that arena would look like filled with glory? I believe God wants to do that tonight. And the fourth thing is this. You know what happens when you're marked by God? Whether it was, Isaiah, whether it was Moses at the burning bush, Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 6, Anybody in the Bible, after they are marked, after an encounter, the fourth G, they go. They go. They say, here I am, send me. Moses' go is God's solution to the groan of Israel's slavery. Isaiah's go is God's solution to the groan of a backslidden, idolatrous people. And I love this from Acts 1.8. The church's go is God's solution to the groan of a planet being discipled by darkness. I'm not quite sure what we're going to do next. I just feel like, God, whoa. I just want to stand here a moment <laughs> and just say, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. We're, we're, I know we're going to have the worship folks come back up and we're going to just let God do what he wants to do. But I, I want to say this, because um, I got this while they were leading worship before. Tonight, because we sing a lot of songs about surrender or I want to make my, play, my life a resting place for God, stuff like that. One of the things the Lord said to tell you tonight is don't be afraid to give him everything. And now that, that might sound, don't be afraid to give him your secret sin. Don't be afraid. Listen, he comes, I believe he's going to come as a loving father. But he's saying, my people actually hold those things back from me as if I don't know about them. I know, I know about every single thing you think and do, and I still love you, and I'm not caught off guard. Tell my people, the Lord's saying even now, tell my people to actually offer that, just in your heart. You don't need to tell anybody unless Holy Spirit tells you to confess, and that's between you and God or whatever. I'm saying, tell the Lord, hold it up to God. Don't expect God's wrath. Can I say that? Don't expect God to be mad at you. Repent, which means you turn away from sin. But you know what? Repentance has two sides. You turn away and you turn towards something better. My prayer is tonight, anything that we're dealing with, any sin, any area of hidden sin, any of those things, God, help us just to lose the appetite. Because we've tasted something a whole lot better than that. But the Lord's just saying, tell them, don't. please tell them, as because... Yeah. Holy Spirit saying, I want to burn up every excuse. Sure. I want to burn up every excuse. What does that mean? Well, sometimes we actually tell the Lord why we're not qualified to go. We tell the Lord, I've got this issue. He knows about it. 
We tell them, I've got this sin that I'm dealing with. I've got this stronghold. I got this addiction. Be honest with God tonight. He doesn't want to come and hit you. He actually wants to come and send his presence and send his fire to every area of your life. Tell them I, tell them I can be trusted with those things. My goodness. I feel like the Lord's saying, tell my people I'm not going to come with wrath. I'm not going to come with a hand to hurt, but a hand to heal. Whoa. Because I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying right now, we don't have time for excuses. We don't have time to be like, well, God, I'm this or I'm that. Um, you know what? The only qualification Isaiah had to be a set one is he was an undone one first. <laughs> So my prayer is that we would be undone to this.